2: Ronananian. I guess I would tell somebody if they're out there thinking, hey, I want to be a mechanic, or do I want to be a mechanic? Yeah, you do. You got to be up to the challenge.
3: The car doctor. Have you ever changed the fluid? I got it around 80, and I did not. So okay. that. That's- that was. I don't think the person before me
2: did. Okay, why don't we do a fluid change?
1: Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open.
2: But I am here to take your calls at 855 560 9900. And now, he. Is running. I wonder how many of you understand when you're looking at a scan tool what you're really looking at. And I start the conversation this hour there for a couple of reasons, and I'll be quick because I know the phones are busy. So 2010 Cadillac SRX came into the shop. I was talking about it last hour, previous show. And, and one of the things I had to do was determine why it was running rich. It had it was negative 30% off its base fuel trim. It was, it was subtracting 30% of the fuel out of the system that it had control over because the system was reporting a rich condition on a continuous basis. Turned out the gasoline direct injection pump was bad. The diaphragm was porous, uh, you know, seeping fuel into the engine oil. Okay, easy enough. But part of that diagnosis, you know, you have the ability with a scan tool to look at, Pump pressure. They have a sensor on the on the fuel rail that will tell you low pump pressure so you can see what tank pressure is without hooking up a gauge. And then GDI pump, high pump pressure without hooking up a gauge. There's sensors on both pumps. So you could use a scan tool to look and see what fuel pressure is. How convenient. Here's the problem. GM, <laughs> right, GM product. The Tech 2 reported the fuel pressure on the low pressure pump correctly, but on the high pressure pump, it reported it in millipascals. The snap-on scan tool did the conversion. It reported it in actual pressure. The automotive test solution scan tool, which I really like Bernie's tool, I really do, uh, reported it in inches of vacuum, inches of mercury, and you had to do the conversion. And the point I'm trying to get to is sometimes with a scan tool, it's not just, oh, yeah, I looked at my scan tool. There was nothing there. Do you know what you're looking at? Do you know what you're expecting to see? Do you know what known good looks like? Do you understand what each individual PID is? A friend of mine, Chris, National Trainer Automotive Training Group, smart guy, real smart guy. We were talking the other day, his 19 F-150. We were talking about scan tool data and PIDs. He said, Ron, I've got 442 different PIDs. He said, there's no way I'm going to remember them. I can't identify half the terminology without looking something up. It will take you anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes just to know the data that you're seeking to solve the problem that you're working on. A truer statement never was made. So can you expect in the future... That that what is now and I, and I love these guys that think they can give away diagnosis, but the guys that are giving away diagnosis, well, maybe I'll charge you a half hour. I got news for you. If they're charging you less than an hour, they're doing not only themselves a disservice, but they're doing you a disservice because they're not getting to know the system because there's no way, no way anybody can walk into that vehicle Get a trouble code XYZ and know that, yeah, these are the nine PIDs I have to look at, and they understand what they are every model year. It's going to change too quick. The technology is moving along way too fast. So as we kick this hour the car, Doctor, open at 855-560-9900. The question of the day is, when you look at a scan tool, do you really understand what you're looking at? By the way, when I called up and talked to Bernie, Bernie said, yell at the GM guy. So i got to go find the GM engineer because he said if they'd convert it, I'd convert it. I'm trying to keep it to the factory level. Good conversation with Bernie. Let's get over to the phones. Let's go over to George in Minnesota talking about desulfating batteries. George, we're going to revisit this topic again. How are you today?
4: I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you.
2: How can I help you, sir?
4: Well, uh, on last week's program, you were talking. Somebody had called in about a charger for automotive that uh, desulfates batteries. And uh, it sounded like there was a few questions about that. I was just going to mention that uh, my wife and I, we live off the grid. And our system desulfates our storage batteries in our, in our storage system for our photovoltaic system for electricity for our house. Okay. And it does it all automatically. It's, it's a very unique system.
2: And, you know, what's are, do you find that you're extending the life of the batteries beyond the traditional automotive five-year limit?
4: We we hope to. Uh, we've been off the grid entirely now for six years, and this is something that we do each week. And what it is like, it's almost like it's supercharging the voltage, and it supplies this extra voltage into the batteries and actually, you know, shakes it all up to shake any sulfur that's starting to deposit on the plates. And it's supposed to extend the life of these great big batteries.
2: Interesting. Now they're not—they're not automotive batteries. You're using—you're using something else.
4: Well, they—they'd be like a super golf cart battery. They're 118 pounds a piece.
2: Okay, okay. And gotcha. we run four of them. Okay. I guess you're in a very remote part of Minnesota.
4: No, we aren't. But it was just the choice that we made uh, to try it. We always dreamed of being off the grid, and not attached to a power producer. And the power producer wanted six thousand dollars to bring power to our house.
2: Wow. Yeah. You know, that whole power thing on a sort of a, a similar vein, but different subject. I don't understand the solar panel thing in the country right now. You know, somebody wanted to put mm-hmm. solar panels on the shop, but it wouldn't power the shop. It would just put solar, put electrical energy into the utility that they would then not charge yes. me. I didn't understand that. I said, what's the point? You, you want me to live under yeah, well, these see, panels? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense.
4: You know, with us, we built a new house, a very small house. And we built it to live off the grid, so it's you know it was it was a no-brainer. It, uh, the system cost us sixty-eight hundred dollars. I did all the work, of course, but it was sixty-eight hundred in materials, and I built it. And the day we turned it on, we owed eight hundred dollars virtually. Because right. the day we would have turned on power from the power grid, we would have been paying seventy-five, eighty dollars a month.
2: Right, and I guess it'll be a matter of what's the longevity. How much do the batteries
3: cost?
4: Uh, I I want to say they were about I, I looking back six years I think they were about two and a half two hundred fifty bucks a piece something like that.
3: Okay. S- so, but prob- that
4: was all figured in on my sixty eight or my sixty eight hundred dollar
2: right. bill to begin with. So replacement today is probably. 300,
4: 350, maybe. Yeah, I I checked not too long ago just to think about it, and they were like two seventy five, two eighty five.
2: Right. You know, desulfating batteries seems to be coming up not only here, but I'm reading about it in the industry, and I wonder if that's, I wonder if it's something we're going to see more of, possibly extending automotive batteries. Uh, you, you know, in, in my conversations with various tool manufacturers. Uh, I have a very great relationship with a gentleman by the name of Gary Mackey from Associated uh, Test Equipment, and they make battery chargers and some of the industry's best uh, battery service equipment. And, you know, in talking with Gary, I get a very strong sense of, it's no pun, everything starts with the battery. And the amount of technology that's in the automotive batteries today and what it takes to deal with. Uh, you know, the, the differences and how all these little differences and nuances create the electrical systems that create the car, it's, it's an ongoing challenge. And, you know, I wonder if desulfating batteries would simplify things to the degree that they wouldn't have to go to the stresses and the endeavors that they go through. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see where the engineers take yeah. us, right? um
5: uh, yeah and
4: and the other thing is for those of us that have hot rods that we store them you know here in northern minnesota i mean what do we get maybe three four months that we can drive you know our hot rods around and then you know you're just having that battery set on the shelf you got to do something with it to try to maintain it so you don't have to purchase a new battery every year
2: is it is it cold there george or is it snow and cold
4: (laughs) you name it it's both
2: really Oh.
4: It's, uh, it's in the 80s today, and in the winter, it'll be 40 below zero.
2: And, and what, how, what's, what's the most snow you've had in any one fall, any one snowfall?
4: Oh, uh, last year we had, we must have had over three feet on the ground. You know, and on the ground and what falls are two <sighs> different things because, oh you know, as it falls, it compresses. So, you know, now, it, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm only, it adds up.
2: I'm only, I'm only asking you this because it's July. And it's like 85, (laughs) 90 degrees, and everybody's going, oh, it's too hot out. Yeah, guess what? Six months from now, guess what you'll be complaining about? So uh, yep,
4: it'll be forty below
2: zero. Right, we'll be thinking about George and his and his wife out there in the house with, with <laughs> when we're hoping that desulfated batteries are working, so you guys are warm. So George, yes. interesting stories. I want to thank you for taking the time, and uh, you know, oh, it, thank it, you for the it, call. It's it, it's good information because I got to tell you, I can always tell when somebody really knows what they're talking about, and it's a good story because I start listening to you like I'm a listener. And that's, uh, that's all seriousness. I, I zone out, forgetting that I'm doing a radio show. So, um, but, uh, Well, yeah. thank you,
4: because I enjoy listening
2: to everything that you have to say, too. Thank you, sir. You be well, and uh, you have a good rest of the weekend. Okay, thank you. Take care. You're very welcome. bye bye Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. 855-560-9900, Ron Anini and Andy the Car Doctor. And the one and only exclusive Tom Ray. I haven't said hello to Tom yet today. Yo. And uh, Tom's doing a heck of a job. You know, one of these days we should tell everybody how we actually do this show. Maybe by, uh, you know, maybe by the, the end of
6: the show today we should because uh, yeah. <laughs> nobody would uh, nobody, believe it if they saw it.
2: Nobody would believe what's going on here if they really understood it. So maybe we'll do that you know, later on this hour. So uh, um, you know what? I'm going to let Tom take us out. Tom, take us out of the break.
6: back to the man the myth the legend himself here's Ron
2: way to go Tom hey let's get over to Dodge in Delaware 14 Jeep Grand Cherokee Dodge how can I help you today
5: doing good sir what's hey, going on m- Ron yes sir um, last week you were talking about you can which I, I've seen before you can uh, change transmission fluid through the cooling lines right right I'm just wondering is that possible on a ZF Eight-speed tra- German transmission.
2: Yes, yeah, if it's if it's got cooler lines up front now, you know, degree of difficulty is only ensconced by how tough is it to get to the lines and where are they located. So, and I think that eight-speed uh, German trans in that Jeep, I don't believe that has a dipstick. Correct? That's a that's a drip drop method, isn't it? If, if, right. No it,
5: dipstick, but no. it does have a thermostat. In the cooling line.
2: Okay. So, well, but in theory, you're not, you know, and I haven't encountered one of those yet, in all honesty, but my thought would be that if you're doing the fluid at proper temperature, it's going to have flow.
5: Right. It's got to be the sticker on the, I don't know if you've done these before before, I'm sure you have, it says to check the transmission fluid. It has to be under 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Because after that, the thermostat opens, and then it starts running through the uh, cooling system.
2: You know, I wonder, so here you go. Here's the research, right, to solve a problem in a car, because not every problem is the same. Not, You know, here we are talking about a trans service where we used to be able to do cooler lines, dipstick, drain and fills. Now we have to contend with a thermostat and a cooler line. I wonder how the manufacturer calls for that trans to be serviced. What factory equipment is there? unless they're going to say it never needs to be serviced because it's lifetime fluid or until the trans breaks and you want to go buy a new car.
5: Nope. And Chrysler says that. ZF says that's you need to change fluid at around 50 to 60.
2: Right, I would think. So you wonder how they're doing it. My, my, my thought is they're going to tell you there's a machine with adapters for the cooler lines, and they're counting on engine temperature being above a certain level or trans-fluid temperature being above a certain level so that it will flow through the machine. It's got to be. Well, it's
5: weird. They actually do have the the, uh, procedure on a PDF that you can look up online. And uh, no machine, it's... um,
2: So how are they doing it?
5: You take the plug out and you drain so much and take the pan off, throw the pan away, get a new pan because the filter's in there, put it back on, pour the fluid back in, uh, start the car up, put it in park, rev it up to 2,000. Put it in first gear, put it in reverse, and put it in second gear. So, and then put it in neutral. So they're plug not back out and see if any fluid comes out.
2: So they're not doing a complete fluid exchange? No. Okay. So you can
5: just, then you can do it again next week.
2: Right. <laughs> well, you know, which which makes me wonder. I I wonder if I want everybody to go out and check the records if anybody's had their trans service on a fourth year in Grand Cherokee, see what the spec is for Fluid capacity, and I wonder what they were charged. If the spec is fourteen, and they were charged fourteen, had they get the other six quarts in or out of the system, that they couldn't get out because that's typically what's left in a torque converter. So right, it's, there's
5: thirty dollars a quart oil from ZF.
2: Right, which is, and you know, this is something along the lines of when you said filter in the pan, it triggered my brain. This is typical of what was in, what is in the BMWs. So this is, this has got to be a BMW derivative uh German transmission you wonder yeah, how it is uh,
5: BMW Audi all, all the German transmissions right. have this ZF
2: right you wonder how they're doing it i will do some research this week and see what i come up with but it's a fair question dodge as always you give me the good ones and i like it so it's
5: weird cuz you don't hear anything anymore about that uh, the old bg uh, f- uh transmission fluid flush anymore
2: well, no. As a matter of fact, though, in conversation with someone this week regarding some of the BG products, they're making some changes to their product lineup. Uh, we were talking specifically about their fuel system cleaners, and I know that they were big on TransFlush. I wonder how they're going to handle it. Um, you know, and, and, and I'll leave it here. I, I don't give any of these companies great authority over what's right and what's wrong. I've, I've talked to a few of them. I've had a few companies... That make different flush and different cleaning products. Call me up and ask me how do I do this and how do I do that. And I'm, I, you know, it's like imagine me this little guy from New Jersey, and they're I've got this multi million dollar company on the other end of the phone, and they're asking me, and I'm like, how do you guys do it? Well, we weren't quite sure. We thought we'd ask you, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me, um, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
4: right? Is it lunchtime yet? <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: it's like what do I know? Like, you know, get out of here. Um, so I'll do some research this week. I know exactly where I'm going to look, and uh, we'll talk about it next week on air. How's that? Thank you. All right, Dodge. You're very welcome. You take good care. Uh, and and this is the problem, right? Every time you're presented with a, a, an automobile with a situation, um, a, a repair that you may or may not have seen, it it encompasses or creates a whole nother set of rules. I had a shop this week. Walk in. They were looking for. They were working on a 14 Chrysler V6 something. Timing chain doing a cam actuator. I forget exactly what it was because that was Tuesday and the last three days were a blur since. And I didn't have that special tool. But I said, here's where we're going to find it. We went out to Amazon. We found the special tool. It was 38 bucks, and they were going to order, order it overnight and have it delivered. And as I said to Robbie as he was walking out the door, it makes you wonder how we were ever able to get by without Amazon because they're doing They're doing what I encouraged tool companies to do 20 years ago, and some of them were fatheads and didn't listen. And uh, those tool companies are gone now or they're on the vine dying because it really kind of came back to you've got to be there in an instant. People are learning. You, the consumer, you're learning, you're understanding that, you know, beyond an oil change, beyond some of the basic everyday service and maintenance, it might be a couple of days to get a car serviced and repaired because it might take the mechanic, not just the time to do it, but research, the tools that I need, what sort of special information do I have to go and get access to, w- what could happen post-repair that I've got to be able to deal with. It's becoming a very complicated process. It really is um, a very high level of competency required to repair cars, and it's not going to get easier anytime sooner. so. Uh, you know, i got to tell you. Uh, we're going back to the days of the um, Wells Fargo wagon, right? I, I always think about it every time the Amazon truck pulls up. That scene from the Music Man, the Wells Fargo wagon. Wells Fargo wagon is a coming down the street. Here comes Amazon. I can fix my car. So um, some good stuff, some very good stuff. Hey, the car doctor's coming back right after this. Eight five five We'll be right back right after this. Don't go away.
0: Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's a lot happening these days, but I
7: have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time.
2: Hey, welcome back. We're on the name of the car. Let me correct that phone number, 855-560-9900. Zero's confused me lately. I'm not sure why. 855-560-9900. If you're calling that other number I gave, I don't think you'll get me. 855-560-9900. Whew, let's move on. Let's go over to Rogan in Iowa. What's going
9: on, Rogan? Hey, um, so I'm
8: looking to buy my first car. in okay. 2016 Chevy Cruze. And uh, I was just want to know if you've had any problems or if you know about any common problems, things that need maintenance, stuff like that.
2: How many miles are on it, kiddo? Uh,
9: 19,000.
2: Okay. So, you know, I like the Chevy Cruze, and I take heat for that because, you know, some people have some strong arguments against it. You know, my argument, mm-hmm. my argument for the car is I typically don't see transmission failures. I don't see okay. a lot of engine issues. I, I've had good experience there. Now, you know, I, I think I'm a small percentage because I will, I will say it like this, not to think that I'm uh, the only guy that does this, but I know all of my customers get regular oil changes on a good continuous basis, good quality oil, good filter, et cetera. You know, and and this is true of any car, right? Anything you're going to buy and start your driving career with, you got to do the maintenance. You do the time or you're going to do the crime. It's, 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 it's sort of a play on that, but you, you get my point. So I think yeah. that the downfall of the cruise is a lot of the plastic they use on the engine, the thermostat housing, the water neck, uh, you know, the valve cover, a lot of things that led to its timely death and, 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 and undoing. The good news is, and what I always say about a car, an older car, a slightly older car with known problems, we know what the problems are. We, we, we know what to look for. All right. You know, it's it, it just becomes a matter of recourse. As a matter of fact, that valve cover and I don't know that it affected the 16s, but that valve cover on the older cars was actually um, I don't want to say recalled, but I know GM was doing a goodwill extended warranty on it and they were making good on it. Um, the water neck outlet and the thermostat housing and all that, I think, was just, you know, they assumed the car had, you know, and they typically failed in the 70, 80,000 mile range. They just said, hey, you know, it's just normal for age and mileage. So that was a little bit of a stinker. But, um, uh, you know, we, we know they failed. Uh, they go through water pumps, you know, 90, 100,000 miles, not unusual. But, you know, they, I mean, everything wears something out, you know. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I mean, a good car. If I, if I, I almost bought one. I, I was just telling this story last week. This is like deja vu. Um, I almost bought one as a small little car to run around in, and then I forget why I didn't. And uh, I think it was a, I think it was a wife conversation, but I can't say that too loud. Um, uh, shh, don't tell anybody. And um, you know that was kind of the deal. So you know yeah. the, the one thing I would just tell you to, and you know, caution you for is, is it? Are you buying it from a dealer or a private person? Uh, private. Okay, so you know what's the service history? who worked on it Um, because to me what I buy is just as important as who worked on it for the time that it's been out in the field. All right. Yeah. You know, there are some repair shops out there that to me, the challenge is getting them to eat lunch, not sitting on the floor and to answer the phone. Right. And, you know, there are some shops out there that are very competent and very high skilled and, you know, they, they get it. It's, it's I'm proud to be associated with shops like that, that they're, they're, you know, they're part of this industry. Um, you know, so service records, are you going to go look at the car yourself?
8: Um, well, I'm actually going to look at it tonight with my dad. Okay.
2: So here's, here's the clues. All right. Um, open the trunk and open the hood. Look for, there's going to be a VIN tag, you know, the 17 digit VIN. Yeah. Make sure the VIN tag is on the body components that shows the vehicle hasn't been in an accident. All right. Those tags, those tags should be there. All right. Number one. Number two, pull the dipstick, the engine oil dipstick. All right. Uh, You know, look at the dipstick. The dipstick is 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 really the the indicator of a lot of things is the oil clean. Now, if the oil is spotless clean, but the stick itself has got grime and varnish on it, that means the guy never changed the oil and he just changed it now because he's selling it. So he wants to make it look like it has clean oil in it. All right. If, if he really did good oil changes, the dipstick will be reasonably clean with low varnish, especially on a, a less than 20,000 mile vehicle. All right. Yeah. You know, so so look at that. You know, ask him why. Why is he selling it? Why? Why are you selling this? All right. What's the reason? Maybe he's got a good reason. Maybe it's not so good. Watch his body language when he gives you the answer. All right. Does he shift his weight? Does he look away from you? What are the indicators? All right? Mm-hmm. Look at the radio stations. What radio stations are set on this vehicle? All right? If it's heavy heavy metal, death rock, you know, his kid was driving it. If it's classical or Mozart, you know, he was driving it. You know, radio stations are the giveaway. All right? Open up the trunk and look in the spare tire well. Is there any water in the spare tire well? Any signs of moisture? Any signs of, you know, does it look like when it rains, maybe water's collecting in the trunk and... It, you know, the water drains out, but it, it, it collects... You know, you always look for a water leak in the trunk that way. That'll tell you something. All right? And, you know, just drive it. You'll get a feel for it. Look at the brake pedal. Look at the pads. Do the You know, the, does the brake pedal look like it has a reasonable amount of wear for 19,000 miles? At 19,000 miles, I'm expecting not to see much. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it should be in pretty good shape. And, uh, you know, yeah. kind of take it from there. And ask for receipts on, re- on maintenance, any maintenance and repairs. At this point... He should have done well in my mind a minimum of one oil change a year. I would like to. Hopefully, it had two oil changes a year, regardless of mileage. So, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's y- you'll know. You know, and um, obviously, you know, make sure you know your pricing before you get there. What kind of money is he asking for it?
9: Um, he's asking for ten nine, but I'm gonna. I'm putting a two grain down payment.
2: Right. And ask him, you know, is it is it was it his car? Is he you know is he doing this for a friend? It's listen, you're a sharp, you're a sharp guy. You know what to do. I'm just you know I'm just being a mother hen, um, but <laughs> you, you know just 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 watch yourself. You know it's a private person cast changes hands. Um, and, and last thing, and I always say this on a private sale, take the title, okay. take the title, match the title to the VIN on the car.
5: Okay,
2: I, I've seen that. That I've seen in my career more than a few times, um, and, and sometimes it's innocent. I've had people, I've seen cases where I'll use the example of this car. For whatever reason, there's two 16 Chevy Cruises in the family, <laughs> and, and the guy gets the cars mixed up, which one he's selling, and he gives you the wrong title. And boy, does that create a mess! And then there's the one where oh, yeah. it's then there's the one where it's not the right title because it's not his car to sell. And that's a a whole nother conversation. So, um, you know, but uh, some things to look for. All right, kiddo. Yeah. So uh, thank you. You're very welcome. Good luck with it. Enjoy it. Take good care. 855-560-9900. Hey, I got the phone number right. I'll do that again. You know what? I tried
6: tried calling the other number you gave before. Bubbles says hi.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's Tom. I was zoning out on zeros. We should tell everybody real quick. We got we have a minute. Sure. Okay, so we've been doing this radio show together
6: nine years now? Oh, uh, uh, about seven. Seven years.
2: Is it seven? Yep. Okay. And, gee, why does it seem longer with you?
6: And, and <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, it, yeah, the feeling is mutual. Uh, but we, we've been doing this show, and we've been actually sitting there looking at each other for seven years.
2: Right. And then COVID came along, the coronavirus. Right. And... We, you know, it's a, it's a, we we have to social distance for right. a lot of reasons, family reasons. We can't we can't be around each other. So, you tell the story, Tom. Tell tell everybody what we created.
6: Well, you know, we're, we're used to sitting in the studio with you on one side of the glass, me on the other. And and normally when I'm in the studio, I've got a, I've got a control console in front of me. I've got a computer that does the commercial breaks and such. I've got another computer that controls the phone system and does various other things. Well, uh, COVID came along. Now you're sitting there in the Bat Cave in, uh, in the wilds of New Jersey. And I'm sitting up here in Orange County, New York, doing the show this way. And we've got one, two digital links, three digital links for audio going. One that brings the audio from you to me and the telephone audio. One where I can answer the phones in the studio in Jersey. Another one so you can hear what I'm up to. Um, I've got a computer link in so I can look at the various computers at, at the studio. Uh, the only thing I don't have control of is the console. And we had an issue last week where I went to bring you out a break. The automation system fired the the music bed. We call that a bumper. When the bumper hit, all of a sudden I lost the screen. It was like, I, I, I can't tell Ron to come back. I think I better pick up the mic and talk.
2: <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the crazy thing is it seems like when something goes wrong, I can hear you thinking and I, I, I know where to go and what it's Tom. It's just like you're here because we're so used to looking at each other. And and the weird thing
6: is I can tell by your voice when you're going to go to break. uh, Right. While I can't, while I can't stare at you right now and give you the look that means you're going too long. We need to go to break. I, I, I I send you notes on the computer.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. By the way, Tom, can I tell you something? Sure. We went long. We have to go to break. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Amy, the car doctor, and Tom Riggs, executive producer, will both be back right after this. Let's.
9: All right. fast Second gear. On Welcome back.
2: Wanted to the car many doctor. Motorbike. Let's get over to Ken in Missouri. Ken, how can I help you today? What's going on, sir?
3: I just, I just wanted to comment on that guy there last week about uh, desulfating a battery. It sounded kind of complicated to me. I don't. I don't know where you're at, but uh, but uh, I got two batteries. Uh, this guy today, he's right on the right track, you know. Cause it's, uh, what he's got hooked up to his keeps his desulfated. And I got two of them over nine years old, and I, all I use is a one-and-a-half-amp automatic charger because I have mine in storage, but I bring my batteries home and, you know, have them hooked up all winter, and they're still running.
2: And, and what are you still do-
3: starting fine? what they're, are, the, what are the, five year batteries.
2: <laughs> what What are the batteries for, Ken?
3: They're in my vehicles.
2: Okay.
3: Yeah, right. they're they're five year batteries, and they're over nine years old. And I got have a one and a half amp charger hooked up to them when uh, when they're in storage.
2: You know, it's it's an interesting idea that, like I said prior, you know this hour that I, I, the industry is starting to take notice of it because as I thought about yeah. it, I thought about it last yeah. week to this week. I said, why aren't we doing more with battery desulfators? You know, obviously the answer is, well, we won't sell batteries, but you know, the other side of it is right. we don't have hazardous waste to get rid of in a landfill. And,
3: you know, well, that that's true. I worked in places for a little bit. I mean, it's hazardous job and it's hazardous for the environment.
2: Right. So you would think that if they could get away with desulfating batteries you know, as it were, it would it would work. Um, you know, it seemed to make yeah. sense. Well, we'll see. Listen, maybe we're on to something. Amp,
3: uh, uh, what, huh? yes, yeah, one and a half amp. What? Yes, sir. Go ahead. one half amp will save you. Okay. Well, automatic I'll, automatic charger.
2: And and what brand charger is that, Ken?
3: Uh, I got uh, Schumacher's.
2: Okay, so it's just a basic battery charger.
3: Just automatic automatic one and a half amp and. They'll take care of your battery twice as long as what they're rated for, because cool. I've proved it on two batteries already. Yeah. Cool means. And I got, I got my old one in my Mercury, because I, got to have a, I got to ha- had to have a new one from a show truck, a Motorcraft, But it's in my Mercury right now, starting like a new one, Interesting. over nine years old.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Hey, Ken, we got to go, but uh, I appreciate the call, sir. You take good care. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. 560 9900 running into the car doctor and company. We're back right after this. Welcome back, We're on the, end of the car doctor. Let's real quick go over to Roman in New Jersey, '06 Dodge Ram. Roman, we got about two and a half minutes, babe. What's going on?
9: Okay, I got a 2006 Dodge Ram 2500 with a 5.7 Hemi. Okay, and for maybe two years, it's been it's been uh, losing some uh, coolant in the radiator. So I would add, you know, a gallon would last me six months. You know, I would add a little bit. Then I added the the stop leak, some kind of a stop leak. Uh, uh, uh stuff into you know thinking maybe that's got a i couldn't see any leak anywhere it, okay. it was just losing it okay so that that works pretty good but what happened for the last maybe for the last six months it does not suck up the coolant back from the uh from the side reservoir then i have to add to the radiator you know every week so and and, uh, so and does, the other one ends up being full
2: so does the side reservoir get overfull?
9: it goes all the way up I, uh, you know, like maybe an inch or two from the top. Right.
2: But does it go? But I think
9: it does go. I think it eventually does because I could see some residual fluid. Like today was very hot and I could see a little bit of fluid on top. Okay. But it's maybe uh, two inches from the top.
1: Are
2: you still adding coolant?
9: Well, today it, the temperature started going hotter than normal. So I know later on tonight I'll have to add some into the radiator.
2: Okay.
5: I,
9: but I have to wait till it's cool. How
2: many miles on this truck, Roman?
9: Uh, 406.
2: 406,000 miles.
9: Yeah. Okay. But well, good um, it runs beautifully.
2: No, listen, you didn't you didn't see me jump. All right? I just want to know what I'm yeah. dealing with. My my thought is that originally the last 2 years while you were driving it, the reason you're adding coolant is because it's got a seeping head gasket. All right? Yeah,
9: that's what I'm thinking.
2: Right. So, you know, where is it going? And now the problem is you added a stop leak. Uh, do you do you remember the brand what it was
9: uh, no but I, I you talked about it so that's the one I got
2: all right so you put case uh, you put K seal in it
9: yes that's right that's okay. right but I t- took the bigger one the one that says for trucks and tr- maybe it was too much. But just recently, I drained all the fluid. Just I thought maybe there was too much of that in there. Right. So I what, drained it all out and replaced what, it.
2: What I would want to know is, well, once K-Seal goes in place, it's in place. What I'd want to know is, how hot's the truck running? Listen to me. How hot's the truck running? Does the radiator seem like it's got any restrictions to it? Does it seem like it's got any hot spots? A little cooling system diagnosis is in order here, because eventually, you're going to hurt something more than you might have already by running it uh, this many miles low on coolant. I'm running in the car doctor. The Mechanics are